You're listening to the North Peace Roundtable podcast, your weekly podcast about theology and the Christian life. Well, thanks for tuning in. Episode 75. 75 already? 75 episodes of us talking. Who would listen to us for 75 hours? Not even me. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, if you're listening, thanks for listening. (laughs) We should probably promote the podcast. Yeah, that's true. Listen, it's good. Uh, But my name's Andrew, and with me as always is Corlin. Hello, hello. And Cameron is not with us. Yeah, goodbye, goodbye. No, that sounds like he died. Uh, well, and not, 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 not anymore. Like he's still, he's still yeah, sorry. part of the cast. He texted late last night saying had a rough day and got stuff going on. So it's just going to be Corlin and I today. But uh, if you're new to the podcast, thanks for tuning in. Make sure you smack that like button. <laughs> we should have sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> and subscribe and tell your friends and all that kind of good jazz. So. Uh, I know we just recorded on Monday with uh, David about women in ministry. I've heard zero feedback. Radio I, silence. I heard I heard a little piece of feedback from somebody, okay. but it was my mom. So, oh, okay. You know. Yeah, yeah. I'm proud of you, son. <laughs> I still got the feedback, so thank you, mom. I know, because sometimes we'll get... Um, you know, a text or an email or something, but I was like, ooh, did we ruffle some feathers? But We may have. Whatever. Our hopes is that you think about it instead of just get angry and say, they don't believe what I believe. Yeah, there you go. So we have a good uh, question that was sent in, I think, last week. So we're just getting to it. And I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't have it right in front of me. But essentially, the question was, okay, in John chapter 20, it says that Jesus... Uh, it sounds like Jesus gives his disciples the Holy Spirit. And the question was kind of like, well, wait, I thought that didn't happen until Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. So can you explain, okay, what's going on? Did Jesus give the Holy Spirit twice? Did he give it to some disciples and not others? Like just some confusion around that. And then in um, that same passage, Jesus says, you know, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness, it's withheld. And so the question was kind of like, does that mean what I think it means? Like, it sounds like... Does it mean what it sounds like yeah, it means? Yeah, it sounds like as believers or or maybe just these disciples, but it sounds like Jesus is saying like, yeah, you guys have the power to forgive sins now. Yeah. And this person's comment was like, you know, is that kind of where the Catholic Church gets the whole like, yeah, the priest can forgive your th- sins? And I guess just was asking like, can you help make sense of yeah this passage? Which... That's a great question, because it is confusing. When you first read it, you go, well, wait a second. So maybe I'll just read it. So John 20, and uh, Jesus has been raised from the dead. If you back up a little bit, he's he's appeared to Mary Magdalene already um, in you know the garden where the, the tomb was. Remember, and she thinks he's the gardener and yeah. that cool story. And uh, Mary goes and announces to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And then it says uh, in verse 19, on the evening of that day, so this is Sunday, right? Jesus was raised in the morning. So this is Sunday night. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace, man. No, (laughs) that's the passion translation. (laughs) Peace, dude. Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. 
Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And then here's the two verses that are a little bizarre. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive, <coughs> excuse me, the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness for many, it is withheld. Podcast done. All right. It's pretty clear. <coughs> so, uh, it's a it's a bizarre story. And the other gospels they have stories of Jesus coming and you know appearing to his disciples, but the other gospels don't have this account where it's Jesus breathes on them, I'm sending you, you can forgive yeah. sins and and so it yeah, it kind of brings up exactly those questions this person asked. Yeah. Didn't the disciples receive the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and can we actually forgive each other's sins? Or withhold forgiveness? So, I don't know. Initial thoughts, Corland? On initial thoughts, without having brushed up on the Pentecost and the happenings of that day, to me, it doesn't seem out of character of God to choose people to bestow His Spirit upon before or while others don't have it. We saw that in the Old Testament where God would give His Spirit to people and they could complete certain tasks. Um, so, to me, I that's not a huge wrestle to me if the disciples some of the disciples were to have been given the holy spirit first mm-hmm. or the the breath of life i think there's a lot of symbolism behind what mm-hmm. jesus is doing so regardless of if he actually gave the spirit to them then or not i think the symbolism still stands true um yeah and and is is really really wild and we can get into that i think i think the hang up where where I would get hung up on this passage is the you can go out and forgive sins and if you don't then they're not forgiven type thing. Yeah. More so than the spirit thing. What about you on initial read through? Yeah, cuz you flip to Acts and it talks about the day of Pentecost arriving, they're all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled, wind and breath kind of interesting. And it, yeah, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Um, so that's why there's this question. Okay, so the disciples are breathed on and they're given the Spirit, and now it says they're all together and they're given, and the, Spirit. They're given the Spirit. So it's interesting. I think you're right. The, sim- the symbology? Nope. The symbolism there you go. behind it, because if you read the account of the crucifixion, there there's... It talks about where uh, Jesus, you know, breathes his last breath and then yields his spirit, yeah, which would be the Holy Spirit that's resting on Jesus. And so there's this, you think about the crucifixion, Jesus dies, he breathes his last breath, and the Spirit of God, what's the word I'm looking for? Ascends. As, uh, leaves him, because he's dead. Yeah. So, and then you have Jesus appearing to his disciples alive, and then he breathes on them the spirit. So there's some, it, there's symbolism here going, okay, Jesus actually is alive. Look, he's yeah. remember when he gave up his his last breath, like yeah. he's breathing and And what my what my mind calls back to is we have uh like through the Christian faith, we would believe that we are living dead in our trespasses, unable to do anything for ourselves. Um like we just we are like dust in the sense that we're we're mm-hmm. uh, perishable we we don't last right and then 
what it calls back in my mind is when God gives man the breath yes. of life in Genesis, yeah. right? Yep. Making him a new part of creation, right? And so then you have Jesus after his work on the cross and the disciples mm-hmm. see him and they, it says here that they, they were, uh, where's the exact quote so that I'm not misquoting it. So he says, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So evidence of what happened on the cross. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord, right? Mm. And so they, they see who Jesus is. They believe who Jesus is after what he has done on the cross. And then he breathes on them. And, and I think some of the symbolism there is that he is breathing the breath of life mm-hmm. in them, the Holy Spirit. The mm-hmm. Holy Spirit is who gives us our new life in, in, in this time, right? Yeah. And so I, the symbolism is crazy. Uh, yeah. with that. So whether or not he actually gave them the Holy Spirit, to me, that's not a hangup. Yeah. The symbolism is amazing. Yeah. If he gave them the Holy Spirit, that's also amazing. Yeah. And that's Jesus's call as to whether or not he did that then is what I would say. But yeah. And like the Genesis 2 one is Genesis 2, 7, when God formed the man from dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. And so now it's like this symbolic action of Jesus breathing on his disciples to be born again. There's new the creation birth, this new creation. So yeah. now here's the other thing that as I did some digging and, and studying, I, I don't think this is Jesus giving his disciples the ah. Holy Spirit. I think this is him anticipating that the Holy the Spirit Pentecost. will be given. Because when you look into the Greek language, um, there is no... In verse uh, 22, there is no on them after he breathed. So literally, if you wanted to like literally translate it. That's interesting. It literally says, and with that he breathed and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So there's no on them. Ah. So as I was reading different scholars, they said, well, one, it could be like what we're talking about, the symbolic, you know, he's breathing yeah. and he's also showing them I'm actually alive. I'm yeah. breathing. Yeah. And then they said that this is uh, just a symbolic action that anticipates the future bestowal. Uh-huh. Like it's almost like Jesus is saying, Hey, receive the spirit when he comes. Yeah. Receive him. Did they have anything on like, just out of curiosity, did they put anything in those things that you're reading about why scholars have chosen then in our translations, at least in the ESV to throw in the on them there? No, <laughs> Of course not. I think if maybe, you're a scholar that is a part of the team on the ESV and you worked on this passage, please yeah, contact reach out us. To us. I, yeah. I don't know. I'm just genuinely <laughs> curious. Uh, to me, that's yeah, again, I think sometimes it's to, to like, cause there was, some scholars that were talking about, you know, some of the purposes of John's gospel and that fits the some of the purposes of his gospel to translate it that way. And sometimes with translations, you're trying it. It's and I'm not saying that they're bad, but I'm saying sometimes it's guesswork to go. That's probably what John meant. Yeah, it probably is. And it's not just one guy guessing. No. It would be a team of people that that are constantly praying about this and, and asking yeah. God for direction. So. so whether it's that Jesus breathed and then said it or breathed on them and said it, the scholars that I read said that it doesn't necessarily mean in that exact moment. It's just a, it was like this symbolic action to point forward to this is what's coming. And and with the era we live in with COVID and stuff, you can be on any end of the room and breathe on people. <laughs> <moistly>. So like, <laughs> 
it's really not yeah. impossible that yeah, if he breathed Jesus in the same know. room as them, it was on them to some extent. So, so I, I, that's kind of where I, as I was studying, going, okay, that's that's makes sense because then yeah. it totally harmonizes with Acts two. There's yep. no discrepancy going, going, oh, John said that it was this. And uh, Luke, when he wrote Acts, he said it was this. And it's like, well, no, it, it could be exactly the same thing. Yeah. And you think about how John uses so much symbolic language throughout his entire gospel. Yeah. It makes sense that you go, oh, okay. Yeah. It's probably a symbolic way of saying you are going to receive the Holy Spirit. Or yeah. I, I don't know. And, and I mean, it keeps in touch because isn't there a passage in John where he says that he has to first be glorified, but that you'll yeah. receive? I can't remember where yep. that is, but I'm pretty sure John even makes a little note where he's like, yeah, this is going to happen, right? Because he hadn't been glorified yes. yet. Yeah. Now, so that I think uh, it was funny. That's I read, the easier you, of the two parts. Yeah. John Calvin said that like, oh, well, the disciples are just sprinkled here and that acts to they're saturated in the spirit. Baptized. So, so he was like, it's like a two part thing. And I'm like, well, mm, maybe, yeah. but to me, it just makes more sense if Jesus is doing this symbolic action to, to show his disciples what's going to happen. Right mm. now. Yeah, you're right. That's like, Okay. That makes sense. Now, the verse 23 is interesting. Oh, yeah. And fast forward to Pentecost and that the spirit enters like a wind, right? I think we may yeah. have said that, but like, again, yeah. it's another thing. It where sounds there's, like a rushing wind. Yeah. There's, yes. a connect, there's a connection in what Jesus is doing and, and symbolizing there, uh, which is really cool because throughout scripture, the concept of, of God's spirit or spirit and wind are like just about synonymous throughout the whole totally. thing. Yep. Right. So that's, yeah, it's cool. Anyways, moving on. Yeah. So then, yeah, verse 23, then that's the, the trickier one. You know, if you forgive sins, they're forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness, it's withheld. So you kind of go, okay, on, uh, just surface, surf, I was like base level. Nope. Uh, I'm, I don't have young, young kids. Why am I? You're the tired one. I am on surface level. If you were just to read that, then you would think, uh, okay, as disciples of Jesus, I have the power to forgive sins. But if I choose not to... And if I withhold it... So if Corland uh, slandered me and, you know, was gossiping about me, I then it's like, I have the power then to forgive you of that sin. Or if I choose not to, then you're stuck in your sin. That's kind of what it sounds like, right? Um, Which we have to go... Okay, does does anywhere else in the Bible confirm that? So there is one kind of parallel passage in Matthew 18, and it's in a whole section where Jesus is talking about forgiveness. So you kind of go, okay, well, what does he mean here? So Matthew 18, uh, talking about if your brother sins against you. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but it's that passage where he says like, okay, go to him by yourself. If he doesn't listen, take a witness. If he doesn't listen, take it to the church. And then he says in verse, this is Jesus in verse 18, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And most scholars think that's pretty much the same thing as what he's saying in John 20, Hmm. that there, because it's in this whole context of forgiveness. So, you know, does Jesus, does he mean whatever I bind on earth is bound in heaven, like unforgiveness and whatever I loose in earth? earth is loosed in heaven, like forgiveness. They're like, maybe, probably. So you go, so that doesn't help us though. But th- just to yeah. show you that like, there's another passage where Jesus yeah. says a, a very similar thing that you go, okay, so there's something that takes place with this whole idea of 
forgiveness and unforgiveness. But you'd have to ask, biblically and theologically, when it comes to the Christian faith, does a human being have the power to grant forgiveness to another human being? And I think both of us would say... No. No. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, <laughs> uh, wait, we didn't come prepared. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Because we know that forgiveness is only from God. Like if, yeah, if if Corlin, I'm just using random examples. If Corlin, you know, commits adultery and comes to me, I have no power to say like, yes, you're forgiven. I forgive you. Yeah. That means nothing. Um, only God has the power to forgive us of our sins because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. So we, ha- we we have to come at it going, well, we know it can't mean that. Yeah. Even though it sounds like it, we yeah. know it can't. Yeah. So what then does it mean? Very good question, <laughs> Pastor Andrew. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Corlin's like, I just want a nap. I just, so uh, so no, I'm what, feeling pretty good. Yeah. Do you have a, an idea of what you think it means? Because I have an idea. But I... I think that this actually ties into um, even that passage where the disciples are like, how many times do we forgive someone? Yeah. Right? And then it's like seven times 70 or whatever it is. I There's a few different scholars that I saw talking about this, and a lot of them think that it's actually just an invitation, uh, that Jesus is speaking of an invitation that the disciples are to send out to the rest of the church to like, hey, yes, believe in what... Christ has done and you'll be forgiven, right? Like to, to announce that there is forgiveness. Yeah. And then if people choose not to accept that forgiveness, then they won't be forgiven, yep. right? Because that's how the gospel works. But I have also seen the opposite scholars where they're like, well, we might be able to forgive like low level sins, but not high ones. I think it's the latter of the two, meaning like, I think it was the first example of like, yeah. I think this is an invitation, but I think it is, I think there is somewhat factual to it just in the sense of like it's quite practical if we forgive someone then we shouldn't hold it against them and if we don't then us personally are going to hold it against them right so like yeah i don't know i think there is a practical element as followers of christ that we should be forgiving others of their sins kind of yeah. like what you talked about on on sunday a little while ago of like if we as christians are unable to forgive people who have transgressed against mm-hmm. us do we actually understand the gospel ourselves yeah right are we able to look at someone with hate and disgust and despise over something that isn't as big as our sin against God yeah. and he was able to forgive us. So I, th- I think there is a bit of a practical like, hey, like forgive people because if you don't, then then yeah. there's that, that tension is maybe the wrong word, but there's that gap even between yeah. you guys. So I think there's a practical element, but I think that there is also another practical element of being invited into the gospel and, and mm-hmm. for his disciples to go and do that is to mm-hmm. invite people into forgiveness. What do you think? Yeah, because in the, so Jesus says like uh, before that, peace be with you as the father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. So the disciples were now like ambassadors for Jesus. Mm -hmm. We're being sent out. And it's very similar to in John 13, 20, when he tells his disciples, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. So the idea of as the disciples go, right, from town to town, and as they go and share the gospel, Jesus Mm. is saying it's like literally if they receive you, it's like they're receiving me because you're my ambassadors. So I actually think that um, the the first part of your answer when you said, um, 
as the gospel is being shared by the disciples, if people believe, then they are forgiven. And if they don't believe, then they're not forgiven. Yeah. So I was even thinking like practically if someone uh, came to me and, you know, I was able to share the gospel with them and they, you know, confessed, repented, said Jesus is Lord, I could with pretty with good some confidence, confidence yeah. say, yeah, you're forgiven. Yeah. Now I'm not the one forgiving them. No. God forgave them, but I could say, okay, you've just, you've asked for forgiveness. You've confessed that Jesus is Lord. You believe that I could say, yeah, yeah I'm fairly forgiven. confident that you're forgiven. Yeah. And yeah. if someone, if I shared the gospel with someone and they said, uh, Jesus is a joke. He's not real. I reject the gospel. I can with pretty good confidence say, well, then you're not forgiven. Yeah. So I think it's yeah. it's fairly, uh, I don't want to say obvious, because it does sound confusing, but we know, okay, God's the one who does the forgiving, and we're just confirming or not confirming their forgiveness. Do you, do you think that this is in line with where the Great Commission would have been, like in Matthew's gospel? Yeah. In the sense of like, go out and, and proclaim? Yep. Make disciples, baptize Just them, Just John teach writes them. it in confusing ways because yeah, it's John. because it's John. So yeah, I think that like when we were, I don't have the authority. Like, so people don't come and confess their sins to me, right? And that's where I think the Catholic Church is wrong, where they're like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, see? And that's, they'll literally quote this verse. See, that's why you go and you confess your sins to a priest and then that priest forgives you. And it's like, yeah, no, that's no, not what, yeah. that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if someone comes to me and says, okay, and this hap- has happened, okay, Andrew, I've, I've sinned, and we talk through it, and then I go, well, you need to confess your sin to Jesus, and they do, then I'm thinking this verse means I can confidently say to them, okay, you're, you're forgiven, not yeah. because I'm forgiving you, but I just witnessed you ask for forgiveness. You're forgiven, Yeah. right? Yeah. So I, I hope, hopefully that makes sense. I don't think Jesus is saying you individually have power to forgive people's sins. I think he's saying, as the gospel's proclaimed, yeah, if people accept it, they're forgiven, and you can tell them that. And yeah. if they reject it, they're not forgiven. Yeah. And you can tell them that. Yeah. <laughs> You're not yeah. forgiven. Yeah. Man, that was, a, that was a quick episode. Boom, we solved it. That was like only half an hour. You got anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> Is there any other questions that we have? This is like turning into an off the record. I don't remember. Let me take a really quick look. Okay. So stay tuned. So uh, during this break, do whatever you got to do. Today's podcast is brought to you. Good time for a bathroom break if you got to go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But uh, if you do have other questions, this is a little plug. Uh, You can always email uh, Andrew at npmbchurch.com. Or you can message the church Facebook or... Or if you have either of our contacts, Yeah, just text rip. us, and we love answering these kinds of questions. I got I got a good one, one that I've been wondering about. So okay. as a new father, I mean, I get it. Gemma is only... I guess she's coming up on four months. She's not quite four months, though. Uh, my daughter, uh, we... The question has come to mind of, like, at what age... Is it appropriate to show your kids or to allow them to see the weird stuff in the Bible? And by that, I mean like the, the stories like Judah and Tamar. When can you like, like obviously if you're getting them to sit down and read their Bibles and they come across it, I mean, I guess you're going to have to do some explaining, but like, is it, what's, 
How do we navigate that as parents? Do we just let them read it through and whatever happens, happens? Or is there any wisdom in, in waiting until they're a little bit older to show them some of those things? And I don't mean a little bit older as in like, hey, kid, you're 18. Look at how messed up the Bible is. <laughs> but like, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on that? When when as Christian parents, is it appropriate to, to show our kids some of those things in, in Scripture that even we look at and are like, that's gross? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think it will probably slightly depend on each individual person. It's like um, some some people are like, yeah, I had the sex talk with my kid when they were four and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay. And others are like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to tar my children's innocence. Mm-hmm. And they don't really need to hear about that. Now, uh yeah, where we would land probably is uh, we try and be really open with our kids, but um, also to there is there is an element as a dad that I'm like I do want to protect my kids' innocence a little bit, like mm. because I think there is a certain level of not saying that they're like innocent as in sinless, but there is innocence like a childlike innocence. Yeah, that I'm like if I can protect you a little bit from that then I'd like to. And yet I think you could still, yeah. So if you read a story, oh, and then like he had sex and like cut up this prostitute into 12 pieces and mailed one to each tribe. Isn't that amazing? I think like, mm, I don't know if that's a- appropriate or, yeah. but I also don't think you, you, it's that balance, right? I want my kids to know that like, yeah, the, the Bible's full of really sinful people. Mm. And yet, how could I explain some of these stories in a way? So, like, even when when um, Oliver was born, both Ruby and Lucy asked, and so Ruby would have been five, I'm trying to remember when my kids were born, and Lucy would have been seven, <laughs> and they both kind of asked, "Well, how does that work?" So, five year old and a seven year old. Yeah, I didn't really feel that I needed to go into, okay, well, when a man, uh, when a, a husband and a wife, and then the sperm goes there, and yeah. then it impregnates the egg. And it, yeah. So we just kind of said, well, you know, the baby grew in mommy's tummy for nine months. And then I think, like, sorry, like graphic language. If you, And then I think, like, you, you know, mommy's vagina, her private parts, the baby came out of that yeah. when the time was ready. And it was yeah. just kind of like, okay. But I didn't have to be yeah. like, and let me show you this video of it happening because yeah. it's disgusting. Like, yeah. no. We, so we were honest. Yeah. And yet there was wisdom in, I don't want to scar my kids yet. Yet. <laughs> yet. Yeah. I, I think that there is wisdom to like where I'm, where I would stand on it right now is, is there is wisdom in, like you said, protecting their innocence in the sense of like children at certain ages can understand an incredible amount, but also... They, I mean, I remember being a kid and not understanding some of those things in the same uh, depth as I do now in the sense Mm -hmm. of like reading those passages and seeing the connections. So I would say that, I mean, if your child has come across those passages and there are some pretty weird ones in the Bible um, that I, I wouldn't like freak out or stress out because there is an element of like, Hey, at least they know it's in the Bible. It's not like they're going to be 24 and someone's going to point out a verse to them that rocks their world. And then they decide to not be a follower of Christ. Like at least, at least they know it's in there. Right. And it's the word of God. So we can trust that in his will and providence that, that he will protect them from anything there. Right. 
but also to to maybe wait till they're at an age where if you explain it it would make a little bit more sense to them even yeah so like for instance david and Bathsheba. here's how i I would explain that to my kids like today yes okay so david and Bathsheba. when you read it if you don't know the story um david sees a beautiful woman uh bathing so he's spying on a woman who's naked Mm -hmm. and says i want her bring her to me and does so and has sex with her and impregnates her and then conspires to get her husband killed. So that's like pretty like, ooh, man, that's brutal. So how I would explain that would say, okay, so King David is married and he sees another beautiful woman who is also married. Mm-hmm. And David says, I want that woman for me and takes her and then actually kills her husband. Like to me, I don't have to go. Yeah. Let's talk about what adultery is. Let's yeah. talk about how he impregnated her. It's like, well, no. Yeah. And my kids can still get the sense of like, yeah, that was wrong for um someone who's married to take someone else's spouse. That's not right. Yeah. So they still get yeah. the sense of it, but I don't have to go into like, oh, the, oh, by the way, she was also naked and beautiful. It's like, well, they don't need to yeah. know that, right? Yeah. So I think there's wisdom in when you approach some of those Bible stories that are like oh gosh, this is intense to, to, and I'm not saying like um, edit the Bible, but there's just wisdom in, okay, how much do I need to share? Details. Details. So they get the sense of the story and yet they're not going, oh my goodness, my, I don't want to hear about rape in the Bible. It's yeah. like, well, yeah, you're six years old. You probably don't need to yeah, hear about and that. Yeah, and I think, I don't think that that's wrong to, to, as long as you're telling the story accurately of what happened, mm-hmm. not withholding details that are important, right? Yeah, like, and that's my issue with children's Bibles, by yeah. and large, is so often, like it, it's like, oh, Samson, he was an amazing guy who helped the Israelites. I'm like, no, he was terrible. Yeah. And we need to tell our kids, he was a terrible human being. Like, yeah. he did so many awful things. Yep. And... So that's my, and then yeah, King David. Oh, he was the way uh, kids' Bibles present King David is that he like never did anything bad. No, like you can tell them, but you don't have to go into details, right? Or like, yeah, yeah. So I think there's there's ways that you as a parent can use wisdom in the details, but also not just say, oh, well, we don't we don't need to read that part. I forgot to black that out in your Bibles. Don't read that ever again. So yeah, it's just. And again, some parents, your kids are farther along than others, and you can share more, and yeah. God bless you. But yeah, yeah, I think there's just wisdom in how much detail we, we share. So I agree. All right. Well, we answered two we questions. We made it to half an hour Half then. an hour. We're just so smart. <laughs> Look at us go. So I'll say it again. If you do have other uh, questions, please contact us. We love to answer them. And hopefully this podcast is helpful helpful for you. Helpful for you. And uh, if you want to pass it along to others and subscribe in iTunes or Spotify and smack that light smack button. that light button. Leave us a five star review. Uh, Which some, one has five star reviews? Uh, iTunes. And so I, really, they're still on the star system. You yeah. Oh, wow. And then it was funny because someone said to me because when we first started the podcast, I left a review as like a test. <laughs> so it says like five stars, Andrew Evie. This podcast is great. And someone said like, I like that you reviewed your own podcast. I'm like. Well, no one else is. So leave us a review. It's called marketing. Helps get the word out. Yeah. So uh, 
hopefully that's been helpful and we will do this again next week.